Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is podcast number 89. My name is Neil. I'm joined here with Jason uh, coming to you on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're filming this one a little bit later in the day. It's 4.05 p.m. local here. Um, so this won't release until a little bit later on tonight. So I do apologize about that. But um, there's, I would say this is a slow news week compared to uh, last week, the whole Don Cherry thing that blew mm-hmm. up last week. Um, there was some other things. And obviously there was some, there was some big news this week, um, the firing of... Mike Babcock in Toronto. I've already made a video about that on the channel. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. But there are a couple of things I do want to talk about today. And then um, at the end of this video, I know some people commented last week and said, I'd really like to know Brent's thoughts on the whole Don Cherry thing. And obviously he's not part of the po- the podcast uh, anymore easily, but he did film a video of himself um, kind of talking about what he thought about Don Cherry and his thoughts and what happened and and... He was much more aggressive than I think we were, but uh, in an admirable way. Like he, I liked he it. Has a very strong opinion. We just, I just let Jason watch it here. I liked so, it. Uh, I'm gonna play that at the end. It's about 15 or 17 minutes long, or something like that. So the podcast will end with that. And after his video, after his um, audio, if you're just listening to the audio version, um, I'll pop back on and say goodbye and stuff. But uh, I have a couple of things I want to talk about first before we get into the game recaps. So maybe I'll kind of talk about my couple things and then we can talk about what you have prepared okay. and then uh finish off with the game recaps and then go to dad's uh, little sure. spiel all right so i i i've been waiting all week to talk about this Uh-oh. so hathaway suspended three games for spitting yeah so did, did you see that whole incident and yep. stuff um think what you want about it that's fine it's it's silly like it, it reminds me of the Brad Marchand licking situation. No, you can lick people. That's fine. Apparently, you just can't spit on them. So what's worse, the lick or the spit? <laughs> I mean, isn't that obvious? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. If I had to come and tell you right now, I said, "Hey, Neil, yeah, you have to pick one of these options. I'm going to spit on you. I'm going to lick your face. What did you choose? Spit. I think I would too. Yeah. So the lick is worse. The lick, I, the lick is worse. Because that's like a spit is non touching. A spit is it's, yeah. It's it's disrespect. A lick is I'm getting in your space and I'm like it's fluids you can wipe off. But a <laughs> lick, you're feeling the texture of someone's body that you should never feel. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. not cool, but that's okay. But it brings the question: Are players suspended less or more based on their salary or status in the league? The obvious answer is no. That's what the NHL would say. But I think from history, like if we look at all the suspensions and the players, I would completely disagree. So you're saying if Connor McDavid... If Connor McDavid spit in someone's face, Connor McDavid is not getting suspended three games. I don't think so. I'd bet you $1,000. No, I, I wouldn't take that bet. Exactly. So if Hathaway gets suspended three games... So do you think the, the Brad Marchand licking kind of put this on the radar and now that this happened they're saying no we're we're like is that the reason why this suspension is here is because of the licking in the past well i don't think so because the licking ha- happened twice he licked someone twice <laughs> i know now it was the playoffs i well, at least one of them was playoffs if i remember correctly so obviously suspensions and fines and everything are worth less in the playoffs because the games are, are more important i understand that but but it also got a lot. It got a lot of headlines at the tune at the time too. Like it, got, it, it was on news channels, like players and hockey licking people. Like, and it's just yeah. Brad Marchand's tongue just like 
right on his, I think it was Komarov's nose, just, it's disgusting. I would debate that that got more, had 10 times more headlines than this whole spinning 100%. thing. 100%. Like, you could ask my wife. She would know that Brad Marchand licked people. There's she would not know that Hathaway's a spin, or spit on a guy. Yeah. It's so, I don't understand it. And it, it's really, really frustrating from a, a player's perspective. And it really has nothing to do with Brad Marchand or Hathaway. It's about the act, each individual act. And then the outcome or the result or the penalty or the fine, whatever, of the act. So it's really frustrating as a hockey fan because if someone on my team spits on someone, I'm now going to I'm going to assume that he's, they're going to get at least a three-game suspension or somewhere near there. <laughs> if It's a pretty high precedent. If Patrice Bergeron spits on someone, are you going to expect that he gets two or three games? Yeah, but he would never do that. I know he would never do that. <laughs> Patrice but that's, Ber- I love Patrice Bergeron. And, who doesn't love Patrice Bergeron? He's an amazing player. So say game. Brad Marchand spits on a guy. Is he getting a three-game suspension? No. That'd be interesting. He's getting probably a one- or two-game suspension, which is wouldn't ridiculous. It, wouldn't it have to be three, though? Otherwise, the backlash would be crazy. But I don't think the NHL cares. Look at his look at his suspension history and his fine history, and he still does stuff now, and he doesn't get the lengthy suspensions or fines that he deserves, in my opinion, yep. and many others' opinion. And you, maybe you even agree because like, you're a Boston fan, so it's yep. hard to say, but... Uh, like it's just, it's so frustrating. The inconsistency in fines and suspensions in the NHL, I'd, it's, it's going to happen again. Not, I'm not saying spitting specifically or licking specifically, but there's going to be something else that's silly and ridiculous. Someone's going to give someone a wet willy or something. No, I want, see, I wonder if they, they nailed him with like, like this is, this is jarring a little bit, right? Like three games is, it's making everyone say, like, hey, whoa, three games for spitting? Yeah. I wonder if they're doing this against a low player just uh, yeah, to that, show everyone that, hey, no spitting. That's what I'm That's what I'm thinking. But I've seen che- elbows to the head, cross-checks to the back of the head, suspension-worthy plays. Oh, yeah. And them getting nothing or one game. Yeah. You're telling me the spit in the face? See, that's the, that's the issue I have with it is relatively speaking to other infractions, I guess. Yeah. Three games is a significant suspension. It is, and not just play-wise, but, I mean, financially, because he loses money for those three games. Yep. He's probably out $70,000 in those three games or whatever it is, or 40000 I don't know how much he gets paid. Yeah, I don't either. If you're put in a room with one guy and another guy, so there's three people in this room, you have the choice. You have to choose for one guy to spit on you or the other guy to lay an elbow to your head and knock you out. Which one are you going to choose? That's... I don't get. I don't get it. You're probably going to choose to be spat on. Anyways. Um, this is probably an unfair question to ask because we don't have a pair. But do you know if he has prior suspension history? That's something I did forget to look up before this podcast, and that's on me. I do apologize for that. I, should, yeah, I don't know either. I should know. Yeah, I should have looked it up too. But even then, like, can you can you say, hey, you uh, you check this guy from behind, you did this, you're a dirty player. Yeah, like you spit, so we're escalating to three games now. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you, doesn't, I don't get it. If you lay an elbow, you knock someone out, you get suspended two games. T- two years later, you spit on someone, and you say, "Oh, well, you're you're a repeat offender." You didn't. Yeah, repeat offenders. Your spit suspension you you is now worth three instead of one. You didn't learn from the last time. If you threw another elbow, then you could say, "Oh, yeah, okay. Obviously, you didn't learn from last time. You, your first elbow, you got suspended. You didn't learn." Like it's spit. Like, like I'd say, maybe he has a history of spitting, but I think we would have heard of that. Exactly. Like so. Like the like before he was suspended, like there was a lot of players saying, you know, we, this shouldn't be in the game. That's just disgusting. Blah blah blah. So 
it makes me think that this is like kind of not a repeat history of that for him. But still, three like I don't know, three games relatively speaking compared to other things we've seen is just I don't know. It's laughable, really. It is. It is quite laughable. I'm. I didn't even think it deserved a suspension. To be honest, it's completely disrespectful. Should not be in the game. It's really ridiculous and silly. Give him a fine. It's almost as laugh- laughable as the Tesla truck. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we won't get into that though. No, we'll talk about that later. Maybe <laughs> that'll be in a yak podcast. Yeah. Um. Anyways, let's. We'll leave it at that. You can agree or disagree down in the comment section. I'll say I'm confused uh, by that. That'll be my. Uh, yeah, I'm confused as well. That's my official statement. I could see a one game. Three games is a little much. Three games isn't a lot. Um, okay, so the Bobby Ryan situation. So I don't know the whole story, and I don't know if anyone does, but Bobby Ryan has basically been put into the NHL assistance program. Um, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it's even been released yet, and I'm not even sure if it should. It probably won't be. It it really doesn't matter. Um, I, but I will say, obviously, wish Bobby Ryan the best. Mm-hmm. Hope he gets better, whatever he's going through. But when a player enters the assistance program, whether it's for a substance abuse or financial, whatever, or mental, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. that that player knows that as soon as they make that decision, that's public knowledge. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Bobby Ryan for having the balls to say, hey, I need help. Can you help me to the NHL? Yeah. Knowing that everyone's going to find out and there's going to be a lot of people who judge him for it and look down on it because of it. So... Kudos to him for having the balls to do that. That's, yeah. I, I don't know if I could do the same. I'd be no. really scared about that. So. Like my work has an EAP. It's an employee assistance program, and it's done. There's a private company that's done through contract, and um, they pay for our access to it, I guess. And you can discuss anything. And like my wife can call. If I had kids, they could call. It goes wow. for anything from suicide to mental illness to financial trouble. Really, it's, it's anything on your plate that's causing you stress. Work never finds out about it. They don't know you've called. There's no record of that. Really? It's just professional help. So that's something that's available to us, but no one knows about it. Like, I go back to work the next day. I'm with all my peers. No one ever knows I made that call mm-hmm. or I'm going through these things. And like you said, for him, it's everyone knows. It's not anonymous. It's the opposite of anonymous. So it's, it's a lot easier for someone like me to be able to call. And it's still hard to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Like, and if, and if, if you're asking for help privately... Like that takes a lot of guts to to know that this is going to become public knowledge. It's it's tough. That's a, that's an extremely tough decision. Yeah. So I can't say enough good things about Bobby Ryan, and I really hope whatever he's going through um, mm-hmm. gets rectified, and you know we see him back on the ice, and um, or if he doesn't end up playing hockey again, um, I hope we see him in some fashion be extremely successful in the world of hockey or whatever he chooses to. To follow yeah there's a lot of times people forget that there's a personal side to this they just think you know high paid players you know you're you're out there to score goals get points make checks fight whatever um but a lot of times we overlook the personal side of things and things that are going on and that we don't see so absolutely and if if you guys are listening and you don't know bobby ryan's story it's he's a really really interesting story mm-hmm. i'm not going to go through it all right now it'll take too long but if you get the chance or if you want to go on youtube uh, or, or just search the internet for uh, just search like Bobby Ryan story or Bobby Ryan history or something like that. Him as a person, him as a player is a really interesting story. So mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to learn a little bit more about him. Like he's he's had a good life in terms of he he made his way to the NHL, but his life I wouldn't say was easy. Uh, like not by, was, not he, he struggled. Yeah, like time. a lot of things that 
a lot of people listening I probably haven't had to deal with, and we're very lucky that we haven't. So. Yeah, extremely, extremely luckily. So, yeah, just thinking about Bobby Ryan uh, this week. So hope he, hopefully he gets better, and hopefully we get an update in the next couple of months on his progress. Okay, so the next thing I have is the, uh, you'll like this, the Marc-Andre Fleury and Tuka Rask save. I want to I want to know your opinion. Who do you think is, which one's better? I say the Fleury one's better. Why? Because I just don't know how he saved it. It seemed like he was way off to the right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for you podcast listeners, but I'm animating myself here. Yeah. And then just all of a sudden, he was up and he... Just the glove was out. Like that's that's a picture I would frame on this wall right here. Yeah, yeah. We get the new studio up. I'd have no problem put like a fourteen foot version of Mark Andre Fleury yeah. back there. I agree. But uh, and it also was the save that ended Mike Babcock's career. Honestly, like it's you don't want to label it as that, but honestly, it pretty much is. So I don't know. I I just think the Flurry story in Vegas is good, and this is just another thing added to it. So I agree. The two caress save was good. I don't know how his hand's not hurting because he saved it with his blocker hand, like not the blocker, blocker part, yeah, but like the, the inside. inside. It was still a great save, but. See, I, I agree with everything you, everything you said about the Mark andre Fleury save. Um, ever watched Inspector Gadget? Yes. Where he makes his arms a little bit longer? <laughs> yeah. It kind of felt like Mark andre Fleury was doing it that. It didn't make sense that he was able to get that far across. I know. It was remarkable. <laughs> like, like the remarkable. net. It was literally a wide open net. Yeah. But I here's the thing. I think a beer league goalie could make that same save <laughs> on an odd night. I think because you and I could make that save on an odd night. It's just it's just a bold like last ditch effort save. Something you'd play, some kind of save you try to make in ball hockey or something. Like mm-hmm. it's just a, a a total effort, not so much skill, but just like effort. I don't think it's the better save. I think the two Carrasco really save, yes because it was in a moment of complete chaos in front of the net, mm-hmm. chaos and. Tuka Rask, for I would say the majority of that play, maybe wasn't sure where the puck was at all. And when he found it, by the time that his eyes found the puck, it was, I would say, not necessarily a desperation, but a skill. It was the only thing he could do. Because if he went like this, yeah. you don't have as much control with your hand. If you go like this, and obviously he catches with the other hand, so yeah. he's not used to having this hand like that. Yeah. To me, he made a conscious choice that this is the better option to make. Drop the stick, this is the better option. And he made that save. It was remarkable. It all, it reminded me a little bit of the um, Jose Theodore save back when Montreal and Boston played in the playoffs mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Yep. Theodore kind of threw his block around. That was kind of a ridiculous save. But to me, that's why the Tukarask save is more impressive because he was he was on his butt. He was sitting down, so he had half of his body to use, and he made the conscious decision to use the inside of his blocker hand, which was going to hurt, like you said. I wouldn't do it. I just thought it was a remarkable save. Um, I think the two grass save was better, but I, I would probably say I like Mark Andre Fleury better as a player and better as a goalie. But so if if at the end of the year's here and we're talking about save of the year and those are the final two candidates, are you sticking with Tuka? Yeah, really. I am. That's interesting. I would like I like Mark Andre Fleury's personality better. Uh, I like him as a, a goaltender better, but I just think that that Tuka Rasie was. I think that that's a save of like. I don't think it's a save of the decade, but I think if you look at the top 10 saves of the decade, that's got to be there. Really? Yep. I'll, I'll that passion. I mean, I'll take save. it. <laughs> now, speaking of saves, there was one last night that was incredible. We'll yep. talk a little bit later about that, but um, leave your comments down below and let, let me know which of those two saves uh, you liked better. Um, that, maybe that should be a poll that I should put on Twitter or something. But People have been asking for polls lately. I did, I did post one, and uh, I forgot to look at the results before this podcast. 
Oops. Uh, I, I did look at the results, but I don't have them on the top of my head or to relay them. I do apologize. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about really before the game recaps or before your news is a little piece of statistical information. And it's the reason why I'm wearing this Connor McDavid jersey. And There's always a reason to what you wear. Oilers hat. Yeah. So teammates with 45 points in a team's first 25 games. Mm-hmm. Dreisaitl and McDavid. 2019-2020. Do you know the last pair of players to do this? The last time teammates scored, got 45 points in 25 games. Did they also play for the Oilers? They did not. Did they play for the Penguins? They did. Was it Lemieux? Yes, that's one. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like It depends how far back we're going, I guess. 1995-96. Uh, that's not what I thought then. I don't know. Hit me. Lemieux and Yager. Okay. So those two names are, I would say, definitely top 10 players, maybe oh. all time in the NHL. Yager is, God, he played until he was 44, and he's still playing hockey in the Czech Republic. Um, just an incredible career. Lemieux, obviously one of the all-time greats. Um, and then you have Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. Connor McDavid will go down as one of the best players of all time. Dreisaitl's, I would say, is a very underrated player. I was just going to ask you, do you think that He's underrated because he plays in the West, and a lot of us don't get to see him. That's that's a huge part of it. Absolutely, I, I completely agree with that. And it's a shame. I said this, I think, two or three podcasts ago. It's a shame that all Canadians can't watch Connor McDavid on a regular mm-hmm. daily basis, because, and that applies to Dry Saddle as well. Because most of the goals that happened in last night's game, I'll talk a little bit about it, was because of Dry Saddle and not so much McDavid. McDavid scored two of them. But they happen because of Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give him, get enough attention attention that he deserves. Did he have a rough year last year, or maybe the year before? Sure, he was still he still played great. But man, he looks good this year. So, anyways, I just want to throw that little stat out there. All right, what you got for me? All right, it's not really a big news week. Um, they had some GM meetings on Tuesday. They did. Yes. There's going to be a uh, another big GM meeting in March. That's kind of where they're going to discuss a lot of things. So I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap. Sure. Over what they talked about. So the big one was um, possible changes to offside. Again. Um, they're looking, they looked at it in 2017. Um, this mainly concerns, I'm going to read it, but it mainly concerns of whether they should allow a skate in the air when it's over the line. Right. This has been debated pretty heavily. In the yeah. Last so in 2017, weeks. they they threw it at, they threw it out um, and it just keeps coming back. So they're going to, I guess they're going to further discuss it in March, but mm. So I'll just read what I got here. So Tuesday had the meeting. Um, all the GMs are feeling good about the game, obviously. Um, they do have a desire to further discuss the rule, uh, and they want to talk about how um, how uh, offside is interpreted in video review because they don't like how many goals are being called back. Mm. So part of it was to give coaches a penalty so there's less of them just so they don't have to deal with it as much, right. which has worked. Yeah. There's, there is less. Absolutely. There's way less this um, year. But they want... The big thing some of them are saying is if 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 there's an offside and play goes on for 30 seconds and then the goal goes in, they hate rewinding that 30 seconds yeah. because of an offside goal. So they're going to be talking about that. Um, so it's Colin Campbell. He's a senior executive vice president. Uh, he's just said, this is a quote. He said, there's a lot of nice goals scored on a foot in the air that you have to take back. When a play goes on for 30 seconds, like I said, and the goal is negated because of a foot in the air, we had three general managers who spoke and felt that maybe it's time to readdress that situation. 
So um, they also talked about possession of the puck, looking specifically at the Boston and Montreal game on November 5th. Mm-hmm. So that was when um, Charlie Coyle, um, the puck was passed him in, in his skates, and he took it in his skates across the line. Right. And then they ended up blowing that back, saying he didn't have possession. And they want to know now that since players are more skilled, does having playing the puck with your skates is that now considered possession? It absolutely should be. Sidney Crosby is one of the best players in the league when it comes to um, using his feet with the puck. And I would argue that 95% of the time, anytime the puck is in Sidney Crosby's feet, it's either intentional or in a I mean, he takes way. he takes passes to his skates all the time and just bloop, pops it it's, right it's up to incredible. his stick. Yep. So, um, Colin Campbell also went on to say, I think, our player, or, I think we're always trying to be progressive and reward offense. Uh, I think our players are much more talented than players of the past. I can say that because I was one of them. But these players, the talent they have now, I think they have to take that into consideration with what they can do with the puck on those possession control plays on the blue line. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I didn't give you a copy of this, but (laughs) I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, So, however, Dale Talon, the Florida manager GM, he doesn't want to even talk about that. He says, as it is now. Did he um, give a reason? I'm going to read you his quote, and I think you may agree with it. Um, you may also agree with the, I'll just read it and you'll say, so mm. it says the rule book is pretty tight. Offside is offside. It's black and white as far as I'm concerned. If you start messing around with different rules and different applications to the rules, then it gets confusing. I guess, but I don't, I don't disagree. Like, I guess it comes to the, what do you like? Would you rather... We look at the camera, and if it's a millimeter off, it's a, it's off, and it's offside. Or do you want there to be the wiggle room that there was in the past that we didn't know about because we didn't have fifty million camera angles and slow, slow video? I want the call to be right, so I don't care if it takes a little bit longer to get it right. Now the skate in the air thing that doesn't bother me. You can put a skate in the air. So if you you're want. a foot in, but your skate's in the air, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, as so long as that skate is on the blue line or touching the blue line in the air, whatever technology's good enough now to be able to, de- to determine that mm-hmm. that's totally fine with me i just want the call to be right i don't care if it takes five minutes so if your skits if your skits <laughs> if your skates are on the ice and you're offside it's offside if offside. they're in the air and your other skates good you're fine with it yes okay i i'm actually agree with that okay. i didn't think we'd be on the same page there but we are <laughs> um uh, general consensus against the gms uh, this is just them talking about the opinion of the game and some of the stats that came out um, they say the game is very healthy uh, particularly because of a lo- all of the goals this season and comeback victories. There's it's actually been quite a few comeback victories. There was actually uh, one last night. I don't want <laughs> <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, so this is a quote from the Arizona Coyotes general manager, uh, John Ch- Chakia. Uh, it says, the game's in a good place. Uh, lots of offense going on, lots of goals being scored, and leads being blown. It's just good to have a discussion about it all. And I agree with that. That's, yep, I agree. That's what you want. Uh, there's been a bunch of statistics. Um, I'm not going to get into those. That's just stuff um the average length of a regulation game has is down to 148 minutes it's the lowest since 2012 2013 so they're very happy with that they're always looking at ways to make the game faster yep um they feel the, that number is a direct result of changes made for the season aimed at reducing a number of coaches challenges so we kind of talked about that a couple minutes ago mm. um that was from adding the minor penalty um there's also uh there are also three fewer stoppages leading to an nhl faceoff per game that's kind of crazy right three Fewer whistles? I guess so. Like, fewer face-offs? Yeah, like... On, this is just on average. Yeah. Like, from this year to last year? It says three fewer stoppages leading to face-offs per game. Hmm. Result of goalies freezing pucks... 
on shots from the opposite side of the red line. Hmm. So Interesting. It's crazy how weird little things like that they yeah, can just a little tiny change can yeah um it says the gms have made a number of small changes to increase the game flow and it seems to have worked the feedback from the gms has been excellent in this regard um and then i i put this quote here because we can have a little bit of a discussion on this he said he also feels the efficient officiating has been strong what is your opinion on that um i would say i agree with it but i think there's been a couple obvious blunders yeah, like I, I would definitely agree with that statement for the most part. However, there's been the odd game where there's been like, like that New Jersey Montreal game last week. There was nine penalties in the third period. Like that's ridiculous. Like either you, and the, the game didn't change that much. I watched the game. Yep. The first and second period wasn't that much different than the third period. Mm-hmm. Like you're telling me that there was one penalty in the first period, two in the second, I think, and nine in the third. That's ridiculous. Get some consistent Yeah, like last night in the Boston game, Jack Edwards is going on a little tangent about how many penalties Bruins were getting. I thought he was going to get himself into trouble, and I even was on the Discord and the group chat Ooh. for it, and I said, I think Jack Edwards is going to earn himself a little bit of a fine, but right at the moment when I thought he was just going to go over the line, he pulled back. I don't know if someone got in his ear and told him to shut uh, up, but okay. Interesting. he was calling out the ref by name and saying, he's Ooh. the he's the guy who did this back to us here, and blah, blah, here goes another. That sounds very much like yeah, Jack Edwards. Yeah, it, it was bad. It was not a good look, so Nesson, smarten up. Don't be doing that. Um, they also talked about injured players and play stoppages, and we talked about this, the player who got hit in the head, uh, uh, Matt Calvert. Yes. So um, they said um, that's rule eight eight 8.1. Uh, they didn't stop the play when he was hit in the head by shot from uh, Elias Peterson's. Um, the, official, the officials let the play continue because the Canucks had the puck, and then they scored on the play. It says the rule states that play shall not be stopped until the injured player's team has secured control of the puck. The officials can d- decline to stop play if the team is in a scoring situation. So that, I guess that comes to, we can't blame the refs, which is what um, Nathan McKinnon said. Right. The rule is written poorly. It is written poorly. So I know we already talked about this, so let's not get into this again. But let's say you take a puck to the face and you're bleeding like crazy, but the other team's in a scoring situation. That means that play doesn't get blown down because they could potentially score in that play. But I, And I don't understand that logic because I think logically they're getting a power play unintentionally why should they be favored by an accident do you know what i mean like like yeah basically that opposite? guy is taken out of the game so for example if you have a man down and now it's the five on four is what you're saying so if if colorado yeah if colorado that play went differently puck goes off calvert's face he's down colorado gets the, the puck goes back up the ice and scores a goal if they can score a goal with four players good on them yeah. Why should Edmonton or whoever, whatever the other team was, get the advantage because of an accident for another, like an injury on the other team? Why should they get a, a fake power play? Like, do, it doesn't make any sense. Do you think they're worried about gray area? Do you think they'd rather the rule be black and white so that they don't have to say, well, this looks kind of bad. Eh, I'm not sure if this guy's kind of. I think, yeah, I think the NHL is always worried about gray area. Because players do embellish. Oh, absolutely. But I don't think you're embellishing when you've got blood coming out of your head. No. <laughs> like literally out of the side of your face. Like not like your lips or your mouth, like literally the side of your face. No, I agree. Um, so anyway, they, they just summed up that part of the meeting by saying if they believe it's a serious injury, we want them to stop the play. So yeah. obviously the rest have been talked to. Hopefully if something like that in the future happens, they'll mm. they'll react a little better and to I it. I definitely will say that the NHL's become very good at recognizing an, an issue mid-season mm-hmm. and making a change right away versus the old NHL where you had to wait till the season was over 
and then a rule yeah. change or something like that. So see, that's kind of why, like, I don't like football at all. Like, it's kind of weird. I just hate. I just have no interest in it. But the NFL is not scared to try different things. Like they that's make rule true. changes all the time. Hockey's like, oh, we don't want to tarnish the 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 past. We don't want to change things, even yeah. though they are changing things. Like, but it's good when a change needs to be made. It should be made. You shouldn't have to wait. I agree. There's no reason till the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I have a little note here on Hockey Fights Cancer just because a lot of the games last night were featured in it. If yeah. you noticed, a lot of the ads had like the pink logos on it. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, that's it's the 21st year that uh, the NHL and the NHLPA has been working with the cancer societies and, and raising money. And um, it, it happens every October, November. It goes the same with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. I think it's just it's a very good initiative. Um, everyone, I think, hearing this probably knows someone that's had cancer. Mm. So um, it's just... Yeah, if you look at the big sports, there's basketball, there's football, NASCAR, golf, whatever. NHL is kind of behind all of those mm-hmm. in terms of status. But I think the NHL, and I hope this isn't a biased opinion, I think the NHL do the best of any other professional sports league at raising a, like for awareness of causes like with the military, supporting the troops mm-hmm. and the hockey fights cancer and stuff. I just I applaud the NHL for the work that they do and not just like the NHL as a, as a corporation, as a business, but the individual teams as well. Mm-hmm. And the players, and like the players. players will go visit sick kids. They'll, yeah. they'll have jerseys that they auction off that are signed, you know, like yeah. those limited, like pink or purple, uh, yeah. cancer I'm, jerseys. I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen in any, in any other league. No. It totally does. It happens in the NFL. The players there are great too, but I'm just saying that I think that the NHL does, has always, at least in recent history, done a really good job. Um, at that especially with like kids i would say like there's been a lot of kids that i can't I, like my memory's terrible you know this like for all you out there like i have a terrible memory <laughs> but like there was there was the little guy in boston everyone knew him at the time he was really sick he ended up dying yes there was the person the little girl in ottawa was it or i can't remember there was another like when those stories were going on like almost everybody around knew about those kids stories so i think that's just great if you look at the story last year in um st louis um yes layla, that, that's layla. who i was thinking of was layla yes yeah, layla so it's a big deal like it's not just about mm-hmm. the st louis blues at that point it's about and the players um, take time to meet them like off the ice they yep they meet them before the game they say good luck and then when the game's over they say hey you were the reason we won the game make the kid feel real good exactly that stuff's awesome because like cancer just doesn't affect fans and no. whatever like you look at phil kessel Phil Kessel had cancer. Saku Koivu had cancer. Like, there's other players around the league over time and history who have dealt with cancer. So it's uh, it's really important. Okay, the last thing I want, I don't want you to flip this over yet, because before we went on, I told Neil not to come into the room because I wanted to read this. Okay. I want to talk about Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel. Do you know what the deal with Keith no, Yandel is? I don't. So Keith Yandel last night against the Carolina Hurricanes lost nine teeth. Whoa. He missed the second period. Came back in the third. Dang. He had dental work this morning. He's playing tonight. Yeah. Keith Yandel is currently tied for fourth of the all-time Ironman streak in the NHL. It will not be broken from him losing nine teeth. Wow. So you can flip now. I have a little chart. That's impressive. That shows the current all-time NHL. So he's just behind Andrew Cogliano, whose streak is over. It ran out in 2018. Do you know why? No. He got a suspension. <laughs> no way. I think I'm pretty sure he got a suspension. He um I think he was one that kicked the ref on a face off by accident or something like that. And they suspended it for him? Yeah, they, he got a suspension for it. I, I don't think, know. I think that was it. It's man, I, like you, my memory's a bit off, but 
So um, right now, Andrew Cogliano is at fourth. He's he's at 830. Keith Yandel's at 820, so he's only 10 games behind. So 10 more games, and he ties or surpasses, takes over fourth place. And the only three that are in the top 10, or the only three that are in the top 10 of all time right now, are Keith Yandel, Patrick Marlowe, and Phil Kessel, who are 5, 6, and yeah, 7, respectively. Yeah, the only active ones. Yep. Wow. So... I thought that was crazy. Like, obviously, the Iron Man streak means something to Keith Yandel. Because there is no yeah. way if I lose nine teeth, I'm going to work tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm staying home laying in bed watching Absolutely. Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, Keith Yandel, 820. Patrick Marlowe, 808. Phil Kessel, uh, 798. All really impressive. So, yeah, just for those of you listening, like Keith Yandel has been at every single NHL game since October 4th, 2007. That's amazing. That that is is that that's a super stat if I've ever heard one. I like Keith Yandel more than I did before this podcast, but generally I don't like Keith Yandel. Do you want to know why? Oh, you know what? I have to correct myself before okay. I, I I just read Andrew Cogliano's stats. It's he's been playing since um, March twenty sixth, two thousand nine. I read the fourth place instead of the fifth uh, place. Okay. So not he hasn't been playing since two thousand seven. He's been playing since two thousand nine on this Ironman streak. Still pretty he, good though. Yeah. Okay. Um, Over ten years. That's like that's impressive. That's crazy, actually. Can you imagine going to work every day for 10 years? Depends on my job. <laughs> if I was in the NHL, I'd probably try and do it. But, I mean, if I'm working at... But, I mean, yes, especially McDonald's. with the NHL, with injuries. Like, injuries yeah. are common. Like, That's tough. And do you notice another thing about this sheet? This is why I printed the chart. Do you notice the position of every other one of those players on that? They're forwards. Defensemen play a way more physical game. Yeah, it's true. You're getting defensemen up over 30 minutes a game. So, sometimes. he already is the highest... Of defensemen of all time. That's and he's, super and, impressive. And he's still going. Yeah. That's why I liked it. The main reason was because he played defense. And he's not just an average defenseman. He's a really good defenseman. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you want to know why I don't really like Keith Yandel? I thought you just said you did like him. No. I, well, I, I like him more now than I did before That's the podcast. That's what I heard. But I want to tell you why I don't really like Keith Yandel. Is it something silly or is yeah, it? Yeah, it's something real silly. Okay, I like silly things. So when he was with the Arizona Coyotes, each team kind of has... Some teams have YouTube channels, some teams don't. The Arizona Coyotes <laughs> do... And in one of their behind the scenes videos, some like they do like fun things like they, I don't know, they go for a drive and they talk to each other and they put it on okay. YouTube. In this specific video, um, Keith Yandel and I can't remember the other player were trying chocolate from Canada. <laughs> no and way. And they made Keith Yandel try a coffee crisp bar and he hated it. And that's why you hated Keith Yandel. I don't hate him. I hate coffee crisp. Oh, what? It's so bad. No, it's not. Coffee crisp is amazing. <laughs> wow. That's an intense reason to not like a player. I like Keith Handel more after this podcast, and I like you less. That's all right. Unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, other than that, not much news going on this week. Yeah, it's been actually a bit slow. Which um, is all right. That means there's nothing really drama yeah, going not, on. there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of hockey going on. So there was a, a ton of games on last night. I'm going to try and get through these as quickly as I as I possibly can. I have a lot written down here, so I apologize if it sounds like I'm reading. Um, because that's the case. I'm literally reading off my laptop here, we just but. have to get to brent's piece too which yeah, so we gotta we're trying to keep it around an hour so exactly yeah we're at 34 minutes right now so okay so the first game yesterday was the vancouver washington game vancouver won two to one in a shootout uh washington got the quick goal first goal in under three minutes in the game uh and after that markstrom pretty much shut the door mm-hmm. uh goes to a shootout and really it really doesn't matter if you're washington it doesn't matter if you're la it doesn't really matter where you are in the standings Anything can happen in a shootout. Mm-hmm. Like some player, some teams just have a lot of skilled guys, and maybe they don't have a skilled goalie. It, like maybe he gets hot. Like just 
you can't predict shootouts. Like it's 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 wild. Anyways, uh, uh, Vancouver won in the shootout. Uh, congratulations to the congratu- oof. <laughs> congratulations to them. Markstrom was 0-7-1 against Washington before this game. It was his first win against Washington. As that a sounds player. like a Bruin stat. <laughs> uh, the game after that was the Calgary-Philadelphia game. Um, Calgary won 3-2 in a shootout. Extremely important win for Calgary. They've basically turned into the Toronto Maple Leafs of the West and the Toronto Maple Leafs prior to their two recent wins, we'll say. A team full of skill. And a team that can't win. They think I believe they're on a five or six game losing streak. Things were not looking good. Um, so this was an extremely important win for the Calgary Flames. Uh, I thought they were really, really feisty. And both teams actually. Philadelphia is pretty feisty too. But especially Calgary around the net. I thought they were extremely feisty. Uh, feisty and that was really good. Like that's really important to see because Calgary is a feisty team. That's usually how they play. And they haven't really been playing like that too much uh, recently. And so it was good to see them bring that back into their game last night. Um, the second Philadelphia goal was a terrible play by Riddick. I'm not sure if he saw it, but basically he stopped the puck behind the net and gave it away, and Philadelphia got a free goal mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but anyways, Calgary scores with him with minutes left in the third to secure an extra point and then get it. Um, they get that win in the shootout, so being important win for them. Thirty eight shots on net, sixty percent in the dot for the Flyers. It's a tough loss for them. Yep. You get 38 shots in net, have the majority of the faceoffs won, and you lose in a shootout. That's a tough uh, yep. loss to swallow. Uh, the game after that was the Arizona-LA game. Arizona won 3-2. to two. A lot of empty seats in LA. Is that, is that concerning? You have a team that just won Stanley Cup twice in the last decade, and you're having trouble filling the arena. There's a lot of empty seats last night. I was just going to say, I haven't really been hearing a whole lot of LA stories this year. I'm pretty like, quiet. Unless I'm actively looking at it, very quiet. And that has something to do with the market as well because mm-hmm. we're in Eastern Canada, they're in Western United States, they're in, in an opposite conference that we're used to watching. So, mm-hmm. But when they were good, you heard about them. When they were good, you heard. So yeah, you're right. Um, Arizona's third goal was an empty net goal to make it 3-1, but LA, I mean, they still made a game of it. They came back and made a 3-2 with a couple minutes left. Um, it's not like LA didn't have their chances. 45 shots on net. So t- again, tough loss. So a big player like Drew Doughty, I just want to ask you this question. Do you know how much Drew Doughty's making? He just signed a contract recently. He's getting paid pretty handsomely. Is it 10 or 11? It's 11 million. Yeah, so I thought it was 11, but it wasn't. Do you agree? And I think we've talked about this in the past, but I don't remember your take on it. Do you agree with rewarding a player for what they've done in the past for your team or rewarding a player for what their potential is in the upcoming years? I don't think we've had that conversation. I, I, if we have, I don't remember it. Because Drew Doughty, see, this is a tough one because there's examples on every side. Like you have, you you can like if you look at Toronto specifically, you're you're paying your kids really before they've done anything. Yeah, like you're you're paying for potential. You've got Chicago. I suppose say that who is paid for past success. Now, if I had to pick one, I don't. I don't know because I would say neither one is in a great spot right now. Like tr- Toronto is looking a little better now. Um, like just when you look at contracts like Boston has. Like I'm sorry to say Boston, but Boston has players that are performing well on very, very team friendly contracts. Yes, that's that's what you need. <laughs> that but is what you need. I don't know if that's going to happen much anymore. It seems like the players are, especially the younger players, mm. are in the driver's seat now. Like maybe other GMs won't roll over like Kyle Dubas did maybe 
but the trend has switched. It seems sure. like it. You used to have to have your bridge deal, right? Yes. You you start off as a player. You you're really good. I need to take that two year contract where I don't get paid much. I prove that I'm worthy of the money, and then I get paid. Mm-hmm. I like that system. I think I do that too. worked pretty good. I think when you're in your upper twenties and you get, you get a big contract, that's not going to look too great on the back end. Yeah, Drew Doughty's twenty nine. Th- that's rough right now, and he's getting paid eleven million dollars for probably the next. I think it's like six or seven years, whatever it is. That's that's rough. Yeah, like you can't say he's not important to the team. It, he's yeah, he's one of the most important players on the team, if not the most important player. He's a defenseman. He plays huge minutes, and you also have to project down the road a couple of years with the salary cap going potentially significantly up with the new TV the deal. The more in the years States. pass, the better that contract. That's looks. right. For the most part, is from a cap perspective. As long as it keeps going, as up. as long as the cap, which keeps, yeah, trending I mean, up. there should be a new TV deal in the states, which should put it up significantly. Yeah, but. I, I'm torn on this one. I, I don't know if I have a solid opinion. If I'm a Chicago fan and I look back at my team that and, and I could say, man, my team won the Stanley Cup three times in the past 10 years. That's amazing. Like, I don't really care about the team now. Like If they can win, they'll win whatever. But my team won the Stanley Cup right. three times. That's incredible for this like the, the current NHL, the new NHL. Like That's mm-hmm. amazing. I'm okay with Jonathan Taves making what he does and Patrick Kane making what he does mm-hmm. paid based on what they did because I can say as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and I'm seeing these big contracts go out and I'm seeing my team go out in the first round of the playoffs every single year, mm-hmm. I'm pretty and, frustrated. And right now on the outside looking in. Yeah, I'm pretty frustrated. So I'm, maybe this year's different. New coach, we don't know yet. But as we know so far... Since the Leafs, well, we'll say three years. The past three years of the Leafs, it's been frustration. So I don't know. I but I see. I can see both sides. That's tough. I don't know if there is an answer to that question. Really, it depends on what kind of fan you are. I think because I think there are a lot of fans that say, especially like an older fan, like if you get the chance to see a championship or two or three then you're just grateful for that. If you're a young Chicago fan right now and they won those three cups when you were still young, like maybe you're still going to school or whatever, mm-hmm. that becomes the expectation. It's true. And those fans want people like Taves gone because if we're paying this guy too much, we need to rebalance our, our sheets here. That's true, yeah. So it, I think depending on what kind of fan you are, like, and especially with the league the way it is now with the parity, it's, it's really hard. Like, There's no guarantee your team is going to be in the playoffs next year. Like anything can happen. Look at um, look at Tampa. Look at Tampa. Look at Buffalo. They came out to a, a strong start the past two years, mm-hmm. last year and this year. Look at them now. They're falling back down. You can't. It's so hard to predict. The year that I think uh, Colorado ended the season with like forty-eight points or something ridiculous, and the next season they almost took down Nashville in the first round, and then last year they did take down the first round. They took down Calgary in the first round. Like that's. How do you go from getting 45 points or whatever it was, 50-some points in a, in a season, to making the playoffs and taking down one of the best teams in the league almost? Mm-hmm. I just think it's incredible. So it, it's hard to predict. It's Yeah. Like when, when predictions are hard, that's when you know the parity is real and anything yeah. can happen. And that's what the NHL wants. The NHL yes. wants parity. And I think as fans, I, mean, I guess I can't speak for all fans, but for me, no offense to Chicago Blackhawks fans or 
that team, but I don't really <laughs> want to see Chicago win yeah, another Stanley Cup. You've had yours, now it's time for someone else. Exactly. Last year, who won the Stanley Cup? St. Louis Blues. Do I like them? Sure do. Do I want them to win the Stanley Cup this year? Sure don't. It makes it tough for like, I'm not going to say it makes it tough for owners because screw owners really. Like they, yeah, owners are fine. I'm not worried about owners. I don't even know. Like owners want to win, but I'm as long as their businesses are making money, I'm sure they're happy too. But but for people like GMs and coaches, um, yes, there is an element to what they do to create success for the team, but there's also just that that chance that anything can happen, right? Yeah, that's like, true. Like there's no guarantee. Like you could put a great team together that plays well one season, come back with the same team the next year. And just perform significantly worse. Yeah. Or significantly better. Tampa. Yeah. Like So I mean it's tough. It's so, amazing, really. I think I think contract situations are tough. Like like if you get the contract situations like Boston has, I would say those are very team friendly contracts. Those yeah. are not pro player contracts. Mm-hmm. The the players union's gonna want those players to make more than that. Right. Especially with what the, that line is doing, those players on that line. Absolutely. You could even argue that Braden Point took a discount. hundred percent. So I mean it, when you have players like Braden Point take a discount. So what's that say about players who aren't I, taking a discount? What, are you on the side that like, if you had to take a side, do you want players to take team friendly discounts or do you think they should be paid Relative to their performance, I think there should be rules and regulations and how much you can make depending on your age. If you're pre if you're if you're 24 and younger, you can't make over seven million dollars a year, and that goes up as the cap goes up. But if you're over 25, get paid whatever you want. That forces a bridge deal. So that's that's kind of well, it's it's not kind of, but baseball has that kind of where they they can keep a player down in the minors. And right. keep their games down so that they don't they can further delay when they have to put that big contract. So mm-hmm. you know, a really good baseball player is like twenty two, twenty three before they hit that big contract. Where yeah. in hockey now we got twenty year olds making eighteen, eight, like ten, yeah. eleven million dollars. And it's not just the NHL contracts; it's the sponsorship deals and stuff. And so if I was the players union or you were the players union, I said, "Hey, Austin Matthews, no, 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 eight hundred thousand. Yeah, like I don't like that's pretty low. There's like. There's no way. There's no way you could say five million. Mm-hmm. There's no way the union's taking that. And in order for the NHL to bring something in in like that, which would never happen, but there would have to be okay. We'll give you that, but what are you giving us in return? Well, I think that I don't. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's like it solves the offer sheet thing a little bit. It does, but there's no way the union's going to agree to a change that says we're going to put a cap on how much money you can pay us. Well, I think. I think the the cap should go up if this rule is put in place. But the cap is a 50-50 split. So that would be the owners giving back, right. which the owners aren't going to want to do either. But they got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Freaking business, man. Yeah, that's business. All right, next game, the uh, Toronto-Colorado uh, game. Toronto won 5-3. to three. Uh, Toronto led in the first goal again. I don't know how we got talking about that. Like, Sorry to bring that up, but... Off we go. <laughs> uh, 30 seconds into the game, Colorado scored. Uh, but anyways, two wins in a row since the coaching change in Toronto. Is this is that, is that a good enough sample size to think that things are fixed? Depends who you're asking. Toronto, I, Toronto fans are dancing in the streets right now. Yeah. I will say one thing about Sheldon Keefe. Dude's got a calm and, and cool demeanor. He certainly does. There, he is. You can tell he's happy to be there. You can tell he's taking everything in. You can tell the players like him. I think over half the players played for them in the Marlies. Mm. Um, there was a there was a little clip of him um, in the arena last night. I think I don't know if he was in the dressing room or if it was just somewhere in the arena. And you just see him just like looking like a boy in a toy store, just like 
Yeah. Just like gazing <laughs> around and just taking it all in. I like that. I think that's awesome. Dude's definitely happy to be there. Um, one thing that's like, I know you already made the video about Mike Babcock, but Kyle Dubas is very analytics based. Super. His whole staff is analytics based. Mike Babcock, I would say, is not. He's, he's, a, he's an old school coach. He may, he may take some of it to heart, but like, it, it's confusing. Like, it's obvious that Mike Babcock was doing what he wanted to do, right? Like you have a whole department with Kyle Dubas that's crunching numbers and saying, this is the formula that's going to make our team successful. Right. Here you go, coach. And the coach is saying, I don't like that. I'm going with these guys. Mm -hmm. So now he's got a guy in there that believes the same way he does. Like these guys have been together forever. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're a team. And they've not just done things before they've won they've been before. successful to, mind you the marley's are by far the highest paid team <laughs> in that true. league but i'm not saying they bought their championship but obviously the dude's got he's got something exactly and it's not to say all the players like him like maybe he's a hard ass on some things but you can't have a coach that's your friend yeah you he ha you have to there has to be a line of sternness and support you can joke around with your with your coach and stuff too mm -hmm. same as a boss like you might have a boss at work that um, he's friendly and stuff. He jokes around, but at the end of the day, you have to realize that he's still your boss. You have to be accountable to him. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If he tells you to do something, you should probably do it. And I, I actually, I noticed this on the bench last night in the game. If you look back at old footage of not, not that it's old, but no, it's of, old now. Of, yeah, of Babcock when he talks to players on the bench. Most of the time, what I've seen is the players look straightforward. Yeah, nod their head, mm -hmm. yada yada yada. I noticed in the game last night when Keith was talking to his players. They did this. They looked around, engaged him directly, yep. talked to him, weren't just uh, like nodding the head, yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually had a conversation with him. And I think that is the best sign if mm -hmm. you're a Maple Leafs fan, is when you have your players engaging with your coach on the bench and not just l fake listening to him. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's why coaching changes can work sometimes. Yep. Because um, I had this written down to put in this podcast. And of course I don't know what I did with it. Um, there was a, there was a, an, a reporter that talked to someone in the dressing room and they said 90% of the players wanted the coach gone. Wow. I mean, that like, doesn't surprise me, but like that's, they were ready. Like, yeah, they were ready. So I wonder if Dubas had a conversation with each individual player before they made the decision. I'd like to say selfishly. Yes. But I think the answer is no. I'd say probably not, not, not every player. No, but no. I think, I think they knew, like when the season ended last year and they were asking if, if he, Mike Babcock was coming back, he didn't, he was like, we're going to reevaluate everything. Yeah. And he said, it includes me. We're going to look at me and my performance. We're going to look at Mike. And I, I think they gave him the start of the season to the benefit of the doubt. And then when they went on that big losing streak and it was clear they had a players only meeting. And then I assume out of that players only meeting became a talk with the GM and yep. say, Hey, what's the vibe of the room? Well, the guys aren't taking his very seriously anymore that he's yep. lost the room so i think that's why it was made because the timing was weird it was it was a little strange like in the middle sure. of a road trip yeah um mm. i have a stat for you last night um or not really a stat but uh, anyways john Tavares played uh, 22 minutes and 31 seconds last night it's a pretty good amount of time mm -hmm. do you know why that number is significant why that's his highest time on ice yeah. as a toronto maple leaf yeah player like and they got tyson berry on the power play now he's switching the lines up tyson berry's got two goals now i think since, yeah. and two points last night so yeah obviously tyson berry's happy with the coaching change so exactly yeah i mean i think this is a good thing for toronto i think when you have a group of like young millennial kids and an old school coach i don't think that jives 
it's like sometimes and, and it's it not like work. it's not like there's been people in the past who haven't said the same things about Mike Pavkrak. Like when he left yes. Detroit, they were ready for him to leave. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So he, he's just a he's, he's just abrasive, I guess, and rubs people off the wrong way, and very stubborn, mm-hmm. um, inflexible. I don't know where he goes. I don't know if he does go. I think. I think you might see a break for Babcock and you know we have a new team coming into the league. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be the coach. I don't think he will be. But he might be involved in some fashion. Um, Do you think he'll be involved start. with Hockey Canada? Yes. So if there's a World Cup, Olympics, probably not. Spangler but Cup, whatever. Yeah, I think he's... Yeah? Yeah. Do you, do you think he still gets the nod or do you think they look for an active coach? Um, Specifically talking about World Cup. No, for World Cup, no. He does not get the nod. Do you think Joel Quinville would get the nod over him? No. Because a lot of people last time were saying that Joel Quinville should have been the coach. And I don't dis- I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just I don't think that I don't think that happens. His his track record with the Canadian team doesn't give you a reason to not invite him back as the coach. Yeah, like there's so like there's so many coaches that Canada could pull from even coaches that aren't coaching like and then it comes back to the argument of do you even really need that good of a coach when you have yeah. some of the best players in the world all on one team that are all buying in right exactly yeah um like there's there's coaches out there who have not coached in a couple of years uh, michelle terrian mm-hmm. uh, alavino mm-hmm. um who's you know he had a tough ending with with uh, the rangers and um I mean that's a that's a good problem to have is when you have so many people to choose from to. Yep. But anyways, I don't think Mike Babcock gets the the call, but I'm not saying that he's not involved in some way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, um, important one for Toronto. The game after that was the Columbus Winnipeg game. Uh, Winnipeg won four to three. Now Hellebuck has been playing quite a bit, if not almost every single game, and playing extremely well. Very underrated this year. Not a lot of people have been talking about him. But uh, Brassois got the start last night and he got the win. Um, that has to make the Jets players feel pre- pretty good, you know. When you when you have your star goaltender, either he needs to take a break or he's told to take a break. When you have your backup come in and he gets the win, that man, that's got to feel good as a yep. player. Um, every Blue Jackets goal in that game was a power play goal by yep. them. I wanted to ask you, what do you think the Winnipeg Jets are going to be practicing next <laughs> practice? Probably uh, the yeah. penalty kill. Yep. What do you think the Blue Jackets are probably not going to practice <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the power play? <laughs> um, the fourth goal by the Jets in that game was a bit of a flop. Uh, so Winnipeg did get lucky, but I mean, a win is a win. I'm not taking anything away from the win, but I just wanted to point that out if you haven't seen the highlights. Uh, the Boston-Minnesota game, I'm assuming this is the game that you watched the most of. Yep. Uh, Boston won 5-4 in uh, overtime. A rare 3-on-0 early in the game for Boston. Did you see that? Yep. And they didn't score. Missed. <laughs> Staylock shot the door. Yep. Um, but it was 4-2 for Minnesota with less than two minutes left in that game. Boston scores twice to send it to OT, and then Krug with an unbelievable play from his own end. He just took his time, walked up the ice, <laughs> saw an opening, put the Jets on, went in and scored and had an amazing celebration. So that's the reason I'm wearing this uh, nice Bruins. Uh, I don't know what you call this, either a vintage sweater or um, an ugly Christmas sweater. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's right in the middle. If you're it's, an audio listener, it's. Uh, it kind of looks like an... From the top up, it looks like an old knitted grandma sweater, kind of. Yeah. And then it's got like... The years of the, the years cool on the on the uh, arm. Anyways, I thought I was wearing this in memory of Krug. Well, not in memory of in Krug, me- but in honor <laughs> of Krug. Um, I watched this game with my dad last night. It was over at his house. Uh, we were flipping between this and the Montreal game, 
And my dad, who is unlike me, I'm very negative on the team. I, I say, 2 nothing lead, worst lead in hockey. We're going to lose this game. Yeah. So dad took a page out of my book last night. There was two minutes left in the game. He flips it over to the other game. Oh, no way. Because he thought it was over. It was 4-2. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just like, okay, whatever. And uh, so I'm on Discord and people are saying we scored. So I said, hey, flip that back. And then there's Krejci celebrating. Dad's like, holy frig, I pulled a page out of your book and I thought this team was done. I said, see, there you go. So we watched the game, they tied it up, and we were like, we have no business being in this game, which we didn't. <laughs> so then it goes to overtime, and I got to say, for a three-on-three overtime, that was fantastic. There was chances on both oh, ends. Yeah. It was exciting. Big saves. Um, shout out to Franz on Discord. His heart was in his throat a couple times when I thought for sure we were going to put it in. And then when Krug just back behind the goal line, just taking his time, yeah. it was man-on-man coverage. And then the two Bruins wingers just kind of went off to the boards. And what's weird is the Minnesota players went with them. Yeah. So it opened up the middle. So Krug just turned on the Jets, like you said, and breakaway. Good on him for having that awareness. Too. Like, how do you go from behind your own goal line <laughs> to a breakaway? I know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You don't see that very often. No, you do not. And then he scored, and Dad and I just jumped off the couch, and I was just like, yeah, Mom came down from upstairs to see what was going on, what we were hooping and hollering around. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> so I said, great. tomorrow on the podcast, I'm wearing this old sweater Heck yeah. in uh, honor of Krug. Yeah. Not good for me as a Canadiens fan to see Boston get another two points, but not not good for you to be a Canadiens fan for another reason too. Nope, that's a pretty good segue because the next game I want to talk about is the Rangers uh, Montreal game. Rangers won six five. Montreal got up to a four nothing lead. Uh, and then they led in three goals. They scored one more, made it five three, and then led in three. Um, unreal. They should be completely embarrassed. Carey Price isn't all to blame. I'm not blaming everything on Carey Price, but he wasn't great. Some of the goals, it was like he wasn't trying. That's what you get with Carey Price. He's so, he's such a good goalie positionally that a lot of times he doesn't have to do all these acrobatic saves and crazy saves and whatever. And that's the con, or that's the pro of Carey. But it's also the con of Carey because sometimes when he is at a position, he can't pull like the he, flurry. It's like, yeah, it's like he doesn't care enough to try to get into position or to make the dive save or to. It's just like he, he just gives up. It's so frustrating. See, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say that he doesn't care, but I've actually observed that too. Where if he goes down on his knees and then there's like a pass to the side and it goes yeah. in, he just turns his head and looks at it. He just looks at it. He just it's it in. drives me crazy. Like, I I didn't know if that was just me that thought that. So that's interesting you said that. Yeah, he just has low energy, or he just like I, I, again I don't know if it's, it's that he doesn't care. It's just that unless he just has the IQ that he knows he physically can't save that. So why try? Which I mean, I mean you still try. You still gotta try. But like if you've got a goalie that just flops and goes all over the place, lets in the goal. I could say, oh, at least he tried. Yeah, Boston's had goalies like that, and Dad just like, oh, there he is, flopping all over the place <laughs> like a wet fish. Yeah, but I'd rather <laughs> but, say, look but at but that that's and better say, than just sitting there and looking exactly. at it go in. It, oh, it's so frustrating. Uh, anyways, kudos to the Rangers team for uh, coming back from that deficit, and not just coming back, but I mean, you're down by four goals in the first period early, and you don't pull a goalie. You have a goalie that led in four goals. You don't pull them. You stick with them. The team stays with it. I think it's super impressive. Um, good on the Rangers for doing that. And like to your point earlier, there's been a lot of comeback games this year. So, so Carey Price is making 10-5. Yeah. Do you think that's an issue with for Montreal? Yes. Yeah, I do too. Definitely. He, is he rewarded for the his pass play? Yes. <laughs> What's he done? That's what I mean. He's, got He's a, he see he was really good when the team was terrible. Yeah, he was good in the 2013, team, 2014. And that's what he got paid for. Yeah. One season where yeah. he got hurt in the playoffs. Yeah. 
He won a gold medal. Do you play any? Do you pay NHL players for wearing or to, for winning a gold medal in the Olympics? When you have literally like some of the best, if not most <laughs> of the best players in yeah. front of you. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I'm not saying that Carey Price isn't worth 10.5 million. I just think that he's not as good as he was. He's not as good as he was, and I don't. Yeah. Would you say Carey Price is the best goalie in the league? No. Would you say back when he got paid, he was? No. Really? That was only two years ago. If we're going back five years, yes. Oh, so they really paid him for a yep. glimmer of past performance. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, it's not saying he's a, he's a bad goalie. He's a very good goalie. He's no, just, he is a good goalie, but there was a period of time where he was the best goalie. Yep, hands down, no questions. Statistically, um, mm-hmm. like unbiasedly, just from... And he sometimes he'd make those saves. He'd make those crazy saves. He doesn't do that anymore. It just pisses me off. He doesn't have to do them anymore. He's getting paid. <laughs> I guess. Uh, anyways, moving on. Tampa Bay won 6-2 over Anaheim. This is the exact game that you expect from the Tampa Bay Lightning. High-scoring game where you have your big players contribute. None of this Tampa Bay losing to mm-hmm. Philadelphia. No, no offense, Philadelphia. Or no offense, anyone else who's beaten uh, Tampa Bay. We talk about all teams equally here. <laughs> we teams, love all teams. Yeah. Um, but anyways... Really important win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I just thought the Ducks kind of gave up on some plays, standing still. Um, didn't really receive strong goaltending. Just, I don't know, just frustrating, I guess, when you, you have a lot of chances. I think they had 38 shots or something like that in the game. Have lots of scoring opportunities, and you still lose. It's very frustrating. Uh, next game, the New Jersey and Detroit game. Honestly, I didn't watch much of this game. Detroit, or uh, Devils won 5-1. to one. That place was packed. Yep. New, like... You look at L.A., pretty good success recently. You look at New Jersey, what's ha- what the hell's happened in New Jersey recently, the past 10 years? They made the playoffs once or twice, mm-hmm. three times maybe. That place was packed, so kudos to the Devils fans for packing that place. That was awesome. Um, the next game after that was a Carolina-Florida game. Carolina won 4-2. to Florida got out to a 2 nothing lead, but Carolina showed its resiliency to come back and score four unanswered, unanswered goals. This is exactly the type of thing that they did last year and were successful when deep in the playoffs, and this is exactly the type of thing that I expect from them this year. They're doing it, and I fully expect them to make a deep push into the playoffs this year too. So good on Carolina. The Nashville-St. Louis game, um, Nashville won 4-2. The Arvinson-Forsberg line looked really good last night. A ton of opportunities. Shots were 18-4 to for Nashville at one point uh, earlier on in the game. Nashville was just on overdrive last night. They looked really good. Um... um Sorry, I made a spelling mistake here. <laughs> um, spelling mistakes don't matter in a podcast. This, yeah, it's true. It just threw me off. Uh, Saros was great as well. Um, I, I predicted St. Louis to win that game, so I was totally wrong. The game after that, 2-1 Dallas over Chicago in a shootout. Dallas just keeps winning. It's crazy. I love it. Six games in a row. I think in 11-game point streak or something crazy like that. Uh, Godobin was unreal. He made a brilliant save last night and came over and stopped that he did the splits, but it was like beyond the splits. It was didn't even make sense. And then he made secondary and tertiary saves on the same play. It was awesome. Uh, the fans were going crazy. It felt like a playoff game. All the fans were on their feet at the end of the game, and like in early in the third, it was unreal. So he was, was icing between the legs after that game. Oh, oh yeah. There's no way. Yeah, we had some warm hands to help him out. <laughs> um, the <laughs> M- what? I don't know. Anyways. The Edmonton Vegas game. Edmonton won four to two over Vegas. Uh Dry Saddle McDavid were amazing as as usual. Jeez. Uh Smith was conf- was very solid. Theodore had a, a really nice goal. Uh it was just a great game to watch from a hockey fans' perspective. 
Uh, the last game of the night, the San Jose Islanders game. San Jose won two to one in overtime. Islanders now have a seventeen crack. game point streak. Um, quite quite unbelievable. Pretty awesome. Uh, big win at home though for the Sharks. They they're in a kind of an odd di- division because right now the Sharks are surrounded by teams who are were pegged to do really well and aren't, mm-hmm. and teams that are doing really well were pegged not to. So even if the Sharks do play well they're playing against teams that aren't necessarily supposed to be where they are but they're still playing really well and then there's teams that are supposed to be playing well but they aren't but they're starting to now so Mm -hmm. like the division is just so tight it's gonna be really difficult for the sharks so that was an extremely important win uh, for the sharks last night now today (laughs) today's games there are three games on today buffalo and florida who are you predicting man you gotta stop making comments like that catch me off guard this is reminding me of that old video we have on the channel. The submarine Jeez. video? I'm try- yeah, I'm trying to snap out of it here, folks. For you people that are listening, I really appreciate you guys because you can't see my face right now. For you all you guys on YouTube, the memes are just going to be terrible. Uh, Please don't tag me on Discord with my face. <laughs> um, Buffalo, Florida. What are you picking? I'm going to go with Florida. I'm going to go with Florida as well. I think they're pissed. Um, Carolina and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Carolina. I'm also choosing Carolina. Edmonton and Arizona. I think Arizona. What? Yep. Ooh, snap. I got to go against the green. I'm going to choose Edmonton. Edmonton. But I'm not going to be surprised if Arizona wins. They're playing really well. So, yeah. Um, that kind of wraps up everything that I have, uh, everything that you have. Now we want to let Dad chime in on his whole Don Cherry situation. So yeah. uh, maybe we'll let him him talk. I'll play the video and um, we'll make some comments after, after it's done. So, uh, Dad, take it away. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on. Um, first I want to say that I watched the podcast from last Sunday and I thought that Neil and Jason did an amazing level-headed, really good, thorough job of dissecting the Don Cherry question. Uh, and I saw the comments, there's all kinds of comments from people congratulating them, two young men themselves at having such a mature outlook on this whole thing and discussing the issues and not going off on tangents and using it to try to score points. They just had a thoughtful, deliberative discussion about what is a very troubling subject here in Canada in the last couple of weeks. Some of the comments wanted to know what I thought, and I'm not a regular on the podcast anymore, and I won't be, but Neil has agreed to let me weigh in, I guess, with some of my thoughts for those of you who think that what I have to say might be helpful in some way. I don't know if it is or not. Um, I've, more so than Neil and Jason, I guess, I have grown up watching Don Cherry as an adult for uh, the last 34 years. So I've seen the good and the bad, and I remember Don Cherry talking more so in the past about things that had to do with hockey. The no-touch icing, the elbow pads, refereeing, just generally about the hockey game, and he is an expert in hockey. But he's not an expert in other things. And it was the other things that always seemed to get him in trouble. Even when it was related in some way to hockey, he would talk about Europeans and Swedes and Russians coming into the NHL, and he didn't like that. He didn't like that when they came into the CHL uh, to play against our junior players and to take up spots that were probably there for good Canadian boys. Uh, So Don's always appealed to that 
nationalistic part of uh, what probably drives a lot of traditional white bread Canadians. But the problem with Don Cherry is that he's attached to the Canada of 1950. And in the Canada of 1950, in the prairies, they, they farmed wheat. In Ontario, they made cars and forged steel. In Quebec, they were lumberjacks. And in the Atlantic provinces, they fished. And that's how Canada worked in John Cherry's world. And Don Cherry doesn't accept, I guess, that the Canada of 2019 or even the Canada of 1980 uh, does not look like the Canada of 1950, and nor should it. And I think he finally just went off the farm himself uh, on the 9th of November when he talked about you people and just lumped everybody in as you people. He committed, I think, a grave error. Now, it wasn't unfixable at the time. When he said it, it was horrifying to a lot of people. I actually didn't see it. I recorded the game that night, but I PVR'd watching it later in Fast Forward. And when I got to the first intermission, I went all the way through Coach's Corner to watch the rest of the game. And I didn't learn about the controversial part of the remarks until the next day. By then, I'd already deleted it, so I had to watch it on the news. And I agreed when he said it on Saturday night, man, this is bad. He's going to need to walk back this a little bit or, or put it in more proper context or apologize or do something because it can't be left like that. But then he went along and said, I am going to leave it like that. I have nothing more to say. I'm standing by my remarks. To me, that was the fatal blow. Everybody says stupid things. I, I do it all the time, and I probably will to the day I die. In fact, as I get older, I'll probably stay in stupider things because old people tend to wander off verbally and, and say really stupid things, and I'm sure that's in my future, and all of us, if we're lucky enough to live to old age. Don is 85 years old, and he has, he has lived a long and usually productive and exemplary life as a, as a human and as a citizen, his respect for the military and for veterans is unquestioned, but you can't use that as an excuse to beat people over the head with issues like this where it's just, all it is is just total insensitivity on Don Cherry's part. And I want to just refer to a couple of things that I've read over the, the last few days. One of them was an article by Sean Fitzgerald that came out the day after this all happened. So this happened on Saturday, the 9th of November. This article in The Athletic came out on Sunday, the 10th. At this point, Don Cherry had not been fired. But Sean Fitzgerald talked about two people in particular. One was Gupreet Dillon. And as a young boy, he grew up in Windsor, Ontario, and he wore a turban. It was part of his culture, part of his religion. And in Windsor, uh, in the school that he was in, he was spat on, he was beaten up. Uh, he endured untold uh, violence and racism at the hands of his schoolmates. His family finally up and left Windsor, and they moved. And nowadays, as an adult, Gurpreet Dillon is a counselor, a municipal counselor in the city of Brampton, Ontario. He's a lifelong Edmonton Oilers fan. He loves hockey. And he had the last straw that Saturday night when Don Cherry said what he did. And Gurpreet Dillon's biggest problem was he wasn't sure how he was going to explain this to his kids after all this. And I totally feel for him. Another guy that uh, Sean Fitzgerald 
mentioned in his article was Suleiman Ahmed. Suleiman Ahmed is uh, a wonderful human being. He works in Toronto. He's in the IT tech sector. He used to work for Apple. He's a Montreal Canadiens fan, passionate hockey guy. And back in 2015, he started a movement called No Fly List Kids because Suleiman's six-year-old son happened to have the same name as somebody who's on the American no-fly list. So every time Suleiman and his family wanted to go on vacation by air, they were subjected to all kinds of, of I won't say abuse, but all kinds of bureaucratic crap because they had to go through this business of making sure this wasn't the terrorist. And Suleiman said, well, no, this isn't the terrorist. This is my six-year-old son. Um, now, that could have made him angry about living in North America, living in the Western world in the post 9-11 high security environment. But he decided to not just complain about it, he decided to do something about it. And Suleiman got involved in a group of no-fly list kids, they call it, and they pressured parliamentarians in both the House of Commons and in the Senate. And in June of this year, they got the bill through the Senate and it passed. The work is not done yet, but they're trying to create a redress system where they can get their kids off this list without it costing a lot of money to do it. It should be fully funded. Uh, Suleiman is a great guy. I happen to know him, as a matter of fact. He visited PEI in 2016 with his whole family, and they went to Cayley's, and they went to other very Scottish and, and, and Northern Celtic European kind of events because he wanted to expose his family to the rest of Canadian culture. Now, Suleiman is an interesting character for many reasons, but not the least of which is the fact that both of his grandfathers fought in World War II. One was a squadron commander in the Royal Air Force, and the other was a major in the British Expeditionary Force, and he went ashore in Italy and fought his way up through Italy right beside a bunch of Canadians. Now, neither, Suleiman's grand, neither of Suleiman's grandfathers uh, were born and raised in Canada, they were from South Asia, but Suleiman was born and raised in Canada. He's a second or third generation Canadian, as a matter of fact. He's every bit as Canadian as I am, or almost anyone who's watching this in Canada right now. And he had it with Don Cherry that night. He'd even met Don Cherry as a kid, because Suleiman's dad used to work for CBC 20 years ago. He met Don Cherry. He's a passionate hockey fan. He even cheers for the proper team. And... Uh, He's, a, he's an exceptional man and an exceptional Canadian. He raises money for veterans. Uh, he has sent, uh, with a committee that he worked on, he sent a lot of money out to uh, disadvantaged veterans out in the Calgary area. Uh, Suleiman is living it. He, he comes from a proud heritage of, of war heroes who fought with the British forces and Canadian forces in World War II, and he has every right to claim the benefits of living in a free and democratic country like Canada. And he has every right to choose whether he wants to or not wear the poppy. I, I don't know if he's anything like the rest of us. Even if you wear a, buy a poppy, you don't always wear it because as Neil and Jason have both talked about last Sunday, it's almost like poppies are designed to fly away and to come off. So you have to buy more of them or something. But if Don Cherry saw Suleiman Ahmed downtown on Front Street in Toronto, he would probably think he's one of those people, one of you people. 
but it's anything but. It's the total opposite. Suleiman is a card-carrying, 100% born and raised Canadian with a background of war heroes on both sides of his family, and he takes no lessons from a buffoon like Don Cherry. Don Cherry is just, he's a, he's a foghorn. He's just all bluster and blow. He doesn't listen to anybody or anything. He's just a foghorn. And people have just had enough. I thought years ago there was all kinds of reasons to maybe put Don Cherry out to pasture. Uh, not so much for the things he said, just because I thought he was becoming increasingly less and less effective as a commentator. I would rather hear Brian Burke talk about the real business of hockey or Cassie Campbell or Haley Wickenheiser or Guy Carboneau, like they were on last week, talking about the game, talking about their experience in the game. Don had run out of those kinds of stories and he was becoming almost a cartoon of himself. So it was time for him to go. But that said, I don't have a lot of respect for Rogers and how they did this whole thing. Yeah, they gave him a chance to apologize and he declined that chance. But when they finally pulled the plug on him on Monday, November the 11th, Remembrance Day of all things, they said it has been decided it is the right time for him to immediately step down. It has been decided. That is the most evasive chicken beep language you can hear. They don't even want to own the fact that they made a courageous, maybe, decision to get rid of this guy. If you're going to make a decision and pat yourself on the back for it, for upstanding Canadian multicultural values or whatever, attach a name to it. Use the name of your president, your director of hockey operations, whoever, who made the decision to get rid of Don Cherry. It's something they want to be proud of, but they're not that proud of it, are they? They're using chicken language to say it has been decided. It's spineless. It's evasive. And Rogers should be ashamed of themselves. Rogers employed Don Cherry for decades, knowing the kind of guy he was, and actually liking it. They wanted him to be outrageous. They wanted him to be the, the train wreck that might happen at any moment. It's why some people watch NASCAR racing. They want to see the big accident. Um, in the case of Don Cherry, they want to see the big accident on TV. And on Saturday night, on the 9th of November, they got exactly that. Don Cherry had the big accident and then didn't even say he was sorry about it. He said, no, I stand by what I said. That, to me, was the fatal blow. Someone else can decide if Don Cherry's a racist or not. I I'm probably not very well equipped to say whether Don Cherry's a racist, being a, an older white guy, thankfully not old as, as old as him yet, uh, and I may never get to his age, and he's quite effective, quite agile on his feet, and when he talks for a guy who's 85, he's, he's doing pretty good, except there's something not quite working there, right? So is he a racist? Someone else can decide that. Uh, I know Suleiman thinks he is, and I completely understand why Suleiman... Ahmed would think that Don Cherry is a racist based on what comes out of his mouth. That maybe is enough to indict him as a racist. Uh, at the very least, he's a boor, he's indelicate, he's insensitive, he's a bully, a verbal bully, uh, and he really doesn't belong on TV anymore. Uh, I, was, I really was torn back and forth for a while, like should they have fired him, should they not have fired him, but I'm very comfortable with where I've settled in my mind. Don Cherry maybe shouldn't have been fired just for what he said on Saturday night, on the 9th. But by the time it came to Monday, and he had chances to provide better context, to correct himself, to explain himself better, 
and he chose not to do those things, that is the death blow for me. He needed to be fired at that point. And Rogers did the right thing, although they didn't do it in the right way. There's one thing I do want to leave this commentary with, if I might, and I thank you for your patience with me on this. I had a, a friend who was an Aboriginal person, an Indigenous Canadian, who had a t-shirt on one day that struck me as very incisive. And, and I'll show a copy of the t-shirt, just a, one of the versions of it that you can buy on Amazon right now. But it explains, I think, very clearly and starkly to all European-based and other North American residents now what illegal immigration really looked like in 1492 or the year 1000 when the Vikings were in Newfoundland or in 1534 when Jacques Cartier discovered Canada with no permission of any kind, the Aboriginals uh, welcomed the Europeans to our, what is now our country, even though they were unknowingly carrying all kinds of diseases that would wipe out 90% of the native population in North America. Uh, it, it went very badly. And now we're sitting here trying to control uh, the thoughts of people uh, when we discuss immigration as if we've been here forever. And we haven't. We haven't been here more than a couple of hundred years, most of us, some of us even less than that. And that doesn't give us any right to be better than anybody else when you see that t-shirt that reminds us all that until Europeans showed up in 1492 or 1534, uh, this entire continent was the province of a, a culture with thousands of years of its own heritage. So who are we to be the way we are if we're like a Don Cherry. We have no business being like a Don Cherry. We need to open our minds and open our hearts and we need to take take stock of where we are in this country and we have to look at someone like Suleiman Ahmed or Gurpreet and see how they have contributed to Canadian society and made us a better country and continue to make us a better country every day. And we need to be able to look and see the brown people or the yellow people or the red people or the white people not as colors, but as Canadians. And if you wear a poppy, that's wonderful. I wear a poppy. I work for the Veterans Affairs Department for Canada. I work for the, for the nation that provides uh, for veterans. And it's a very proud job that I have. I'm, I'm just very blessed to have this work, to do what little things I do in my little corner of the office to hopefully deliver benefits to veterans. I think it's a wonderful calling. And I wear a poppy, obviously. Uh, but if people decide not to wear a poppy, maybe they, like Neil said, he's got a tattoo in here. If someone sees him one day and he doesn't have his poppy on on November the 8th in two years' time, they might think that he doesn't care, but he's proven that he cares, and we all care in our own way. As important as the poppy is as a symbol, it's not the only thing. Don't just buy a poppy and think you've done your work for veterans or for the Legion. It's the spirit of what the poppy actually means to honor uh, those who have died in preserving our freedoms and those who continue to serve in our military. So there's all kinds of ways to celebrate that. There's all kinds of ways to be a good Canadian. Don Cherry has decided to take a different approach. And for that, he doesn't belong on our TV anymore. And that's the way I see it in the old post-to-post -post headquarters. Back to you. All right. Thanks, um, Dad, for, for doing that. I really appreciate it. You had some 
some pretty bold statements to make in that. Uh, I liked it in that little thing. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree. like. He was pretty harsh on Don Cherry. We weren't. Uh, maybe more specifically, me. I don't. I can't really remember exactly what you said uh, in last week's podcast. But um, he was pretty strongly worded towards a couple of things, which is I definitely respect having the the balls to say what he did, and he made some really good points. I don't think he said. In terms of the general picture, I don't think he really said anything more than we said. Um, I think both of us would agree that Don Cherry's time was probably up. Yes. So he did say that. Um, he just he just was more in your face about it, yeah, which call, is fine. Call him some names. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, not terrible names. It's a hot take. Well, it's not really a hot take, but it's going to get reaction. It's going to yeah, it's going to piss some people off. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, really, I liked it. I liked it. I thought I didn't find anything wrong with it at all. I really enjoyed it. Um, I will say that a lot of people have been asking for it. Yeah, a lot of people have been asking for it, and I think regardless of what he has said in the past, said in that video, or will say in the future, he's such a well-spoken per- person mm-hmm. that you almost find it hard to disagree with him sometimes because he is so well-spoken and he is such a good speaker. But um, yeah, I really appreciate. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Dad, I really appreciate it. Uh, let us know what you think down below in the comment section. We're going to wrap up the podcast now. I think it's with including his video. We're up to close to 120 minutes, maybe. 120 <laughs> minutes. minutes. Okay. 120 minutes. Um, anyway, I just want to end this with a quick thing. I was in Boston this week just for like a one day, maybe. Anyways, I left Thursday morning at 6 a.m., drove to Boston, had some meetings, uh, I got to see Gillette Stadium, which is kind of cool, just the outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, got to go to a huge Bass Pro shops. It was awesome. And went back to the hotel late that night, slept, left early in the morning, drove straight back here. It was it was a work trip, so I didn't really get to do anything totally mm-hmm. fun. Um, but uh, it was it was it was pretty great. I'm, I'm, there's a couple people down there I'd like to would have liked to connect with. I didn't get we didn't have the opportunity, unfortunately. Um, got some funny pictures on my phone. I want to show you that to you after the, okay. after the podcast, please remind me. But, uh, I will say that, uh, I met some interesting Boston fans. Down you there. always meet interesting Boston. That fans thick there. accent. Yep. Um, uh, it was pretty great. Um, so I'll, I'll say like kudos to the Boston fans. I enjoyed meeting the people that I did down there. And, um, I did something that I never thought I was going to be able to do. I crossed off a state I've never been to Rhode Island. Really, I have. No, I had really no intention of ever going to Rhode Island. Like, if you drive to Florida, you kind of go around it. It's kind of this. It's it's on the eastern seaboard. It's the only eastern seaboard state I've never been to. I never thought I'd crossed off my list, but my hotel was about fifteen minutes away. So I was traveling down there with my boss, and I asked him if he wouldn't mind taking a fifteen minute drive down to to Rhode Island. I, I was wondering how you crossed through it. So yeah, if you purposely went out of your way to go, I could see that. But yeah, yeah, he was super good about it. He understood. So I think that's state. 27 or 28 for me i think so um i have almost the entire western seaboard so what'd you think of it when you cross (laughs) the state line where i did it goes from shops uh whatever to like kind of dingy area i'm not saying that all of rhode island is like that i'm just saying the specific area that i crossed in was there was a significant change in landscape if you know what I mean, but uh, it's not saying I don't want to visit Rhode Island again. I would definitely like to go back and visit Providence, and probably in the summertime. I hear it's a beautiful place in the summertime. But mm-hmm. um, anyways, yeah, super thankful that I got to cross off my list and had a good time down there. Hope to go back. 
Might be going back sometime after Christmas if I do. Hopefully I get a little bit more time down there. I get to go see a game. I thought about going to the game against Buffalo yep. when I was down there, but it's just my meetings went late and I just I wouldn't have been able to catch the train to go there. But I did bring my jersey and my hat down there just in case, but I didn't get a chance to use them. But anyways, yeah, thanks guys for listening and watching. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Jason, for joining me. Um, if you guys want to leave your comments down below on, on YouTube, that would be awesome. I think I uh, just want to send out a thank you to everyone. Last week we asked at the end, uh, let us know how you listen to the podcast. Lots of feedback. Uh, lots of feedback, yeah. If listen on train, listen to listen on train, yeah. drive to work, whatever. Doing homework. Yeah, lots of people left their comments and told us. So that was really great. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. That really means a lot. Um, so, yeah, thanks once again for listening and watching. I really appreciate it. Um, hope you can hit the subscribe button down below or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. And, yeah, we'll see you in the next podcast. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding that in. <laughs> what? <laughs> the warm hands?